0: Chapter Ten, of the House on the Borderland. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Alan Winteroud, The House on the Borderland, by William Hope Hodgson. Chapter Ten, The Time of Waiting. The sun was now warm and shining brightly, forming a wondrous contrast to the dark and dismal cellars, and it was with comparatively light feelings that I made my way up to the tower to survey the gardens. There I found everything quiet, and after a few minutes went down to Mary's room. Here, having knocked and received a reply, I unlocked the door. My sister was sitting quietly on the bed, as though waiting. She seemed quite herself again, and made no attempt to move away as I approached, yet I observed that she scanned my face anxiously, as though in doubt, and had but half assured in her mind that there was nothing to fear from me. To my questions as to how she felt she replied sanely enough that she was hungry and would like to go down to prepare breakfast if I did not mind. For a minute I meditated whether it would be safe to let her out. Finally I told her that she might go on condition that she promised not to attempt to leave the house or meddle with any of the outer doors. At my mention of the doors a sudden look of fright crossed her face but she said nothing save to give the required promise and then left the room silently. Crossing the floor I approached Pepper. He had waked as I entered, but, beyond a slight yelp of pleasure and a soft rapping with his tail, had kept quiet. Now, as I patted him, he made an attempt to stand up, and succeeded only to fall back on his side with a little yowl of pain. I spoke to him and bade him lie still. I was greatly delighted with his improvement, and also with the natural kindness of my sister's heart in taking such good care of him, in spite of her condition of mind. After a while I left him and went downstairs to my study. In a little time Mary appeared, carrying a tray on which smoked a hot breakfast. As she entered the room I saw her gaze fasten on the props that supported the study door. Her lips tightened, and I thought she paled slightly, but that was all. Putting the tray down at my elbow, she was leaving the room quietly when I called her back. She came, it seemed, a little timidly, as though startled, and I noted that her hand clutched at her apron nervously. "'Come, Mary,' I said, cheer up. Things look brighter. I have seen none of the creatures since yesterday morning early.' She looked at me in a curiously puzzled manner, as though not comprehending. Then intelligence swept into her eyes in fear, but she said nothing, beyond an unintelligible murmur of acquiescence. After that I kept silence. It was evident that any reference to the swine things was more than her shaken nerves could bear. Breakfast over, I went up to the tower. Here, during the greater part of the day, I maintained a strict watch over the gardens. Once or twice I went down to the basement to see how my sister was getting along. Each time I found her quiet and curiously submissive. Indeed, on the last occasion, she even ventured to address me on her own account with regard to some household matter that needed attention. Though this was done with an almost extraordinarily timidity, I hailed it with happiness as being the first words voluntarily spoken since the critical moment when I had caught her unbarring the back door to go out among those waiting brutes. I wondered whether she was aware of her attempt, and how near a thing it had been, or refrained from questioning her, thinking it best to let well alone. That night I slept in a bed, the first time for two nights. In the morning I rose early, and took a walk through the house. All was as it should be, and I went up to the tower to have a look at the gardens. Here again I found perfect quietness. At breakfast, when I met Mary— I was greatly pleased to see that she had sufficiently regained command over herself to be able to greet me in a perfectly natural manner. She talked sensibly and quietly, only keeping carefully from any mention of the past couple of days. In this I humored her, to the extent of not attempting to lead the conversation in that direction. Earlier in the morning I had been to see Pepper. He was mending rapidly, and bade fair to be on his legs in earnest in another day or two. BEFORE LEAVING THE BREAKFAST TABLE, I MADE SOME REFERENCE TO HIS IMPROVEMENT. IN THE SHORT DISCUSSION THAT FOLLOWED, I WAS SURPRISED TO GATHER FROM MY SISTER'S REMARKS THAT SHE WAS STILL UNDER THE IMPRESSION THAT HIS WOUND HAD BEEN GIVEN BY THE WILDCAT OF MY INVENTION. IT MADE ME FEEL ALMOST ASHAMED OF MYSELF FOR DECEIVING HER. YET THE LIE HAD BEEN TOLD TO PREVENT HER FROM BEING FRIGHTENED, AND THEN I HAD BEEN SURE THAT SHE MUST HAVE KNOWN THE TRUTH, LATER, WHEN THOSE BRUTES HAD ATTACKED THE HOUSE. During the day I kept on the alert, spending much of my time, as on the previous day, in the tower, but not a sign could I see of the swine creatures, nor hear any sound. Several times the thought had come to me that the things had, at last, left us, but up to this time I had refused to entertain the idea seriously. Now, however, I began to feel that there was reason for hope. It would soon be three days since I had seen any of the things, but still, I intended to use the utmost caution. For all that I could tell, this protracted silence might be a ruse to tempt me from the house, perhaps right into their arms. The thought of such a contingency was, alone, sufficient to make me circumspect. So it was that the fourth, fifth, and sixth days went by, quietly without my making any attempt to leave the house. On the sixth day I had the pleasure of seeing Pepper once more upon his feet, and though still very weak, he managed to keep me company during the whole of that day. End of chapter 10 Recording by Alan Winterout BoomCoach.blogspot.com